Hello, Jesus is on a mission. And I mean that literally and figuratively. Obviously, Old Testament all the way to New Testament, and even with today's guest. Pierce and Andy are oh, just such amazing humans. They started as rock stars, yes, for the Lord, and they are in a season of serving as missionaries and supporters to missionaries worldwide, specifically most recently in Ukraine, delivering over 400,000 pounds of food to families, pastors, and people on the front lines of the war. And they have seen a lot and they've supported over 120 missionaries and are currently activated as not only, well, I won't use the words that I use because it put them a bit into a friction bubble, (laughs) but in all the right ways, knowing that they are literally showing up and showing out to serve in such a unique way. I know for me personally, missions is a massive part of our, you know, heart and our call. Ultimately, no matter who you are, and we talk about this in the episode, understanding and unpacking what your role looks like as a mission-driven leader, as an entrepreneur, as somebody who might be a missionary, whatever your title, however it is that you show up to serve, your dollar to your life, all of them are important to the Lord when they are showing up in a space of surrender and a space of servant leadership towards others. And so I honor these two men. I honor the work that they're doing so much so uh, against self, sacrificing even their own flesh and their own lives in order to do what the Lord has called them to do. And so I hope that it prompts you into your own dream. I hope that it activates you into the call on your own life because we all have an intentional role as the body of Christ. I pray that you get in touch and you get in tune with what it is that they're doing and that you too might consider uh, becoming a missionary in your own way, shape, or form. You can go to ajesusmission.org, ajesusmission.org, and you can check them out on all social platforms to get connected and to know that there are people out there doing work like this that are not political, but are doing it from a place of passion and are doing it from a place of purpose to see God manifested here on earth and to bring souls to salvation. Oh, so much, so much goodness in this show. Please like, follow, subscribe, share this episode out that otherwise wouldn't be shared. They, we need more people to know about missions like this, people like this, and the heartbeat behind the Fit Faith podcast. So thanks for tuning in. As always, you guys are treasures to me as listeners, as a community, and as a movement. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the Fit and Faith podcast. Fit is an acronym representing founders, innovators, and trailblazers who are looking to live a life wholly, fully, authentically, and truly fit. A space for us to connect on the raw, real stories of mind, body, and soul alignment of entrepreneurs and kingdom leaders. I'm your host, Tamara Andress, and this podcast isn't like the cookie cutter interview experience. I've been coined the entrepreneurial rabbi, and so we do go there, unscripted. No matter how far, wide, deep, or high the there is, my desire is to see people rise from the inside out into their greatest calling by sharing their truest stories, talents, and tips. As a purpose activator and brand builder, I believe our successes and failures are derived from who and whose we are, not what we do. But strategy and vision are equally as important to the mission. So let's cut to the chase together and get fit in faith. 
Yo, yo, yo. Welcome What's to the Tuesday Podcast. Up? Thank you. Good morning. Hello, y'all. We're here with Andy and Pierce of A Jesus Mission. And I think a lot of people who are listening are, are like, yes, more of this, because this is really what the show is about. I believe as founders, innovators, and trailblazers, we all are on mission. But this is taking it to a whole nother level. It's becoming the hands and feet of Jesus, as we're called to do. It's across territories. It's across countries. It's across continents, y'all. And Andy and Pierce are doing it in a massive way. And I'm I'm excited to get into the heart behind this missionary development, this organization that is serving over 120 missionaries across 17 countries. And specifically, most recently, we're all familiar with what's transpiring in Ukraine. They've had an opportunity to send over 400,000 pounds of food to people starving in the front lines of this war. And so first off, just thank you. And what an honor to have you on the show. Thanks, Tamara. It's an honor to be here with you. And it's been awesome to watch what God's been doing. Seriously. Yeah, that's the that's the most wild thing. I was just processing yeah. that this morning um, with a, a mentor of mine and how much he's doing simultaneously in so many people's lives in the kingdom. And we mm. don't speak loud enough about it, even the little things that transpire. And so I'm excited to hear some of these stories and to inspire and hopefully equip other people to do the same. Yeah, yeah, so good. So let's hear, let's hear the mission. Let's hear like, where did it start? How did it get started? And then we can get into like Ukraine stories later. The mission itself, how we got started living on a Jesus mission. Yes. Yeah. The The backstory is, and Pierce might have a different uh, story for you, but the one we're going to go with this morning is Pierce and I both were in touring rock bands. We were both in rock bands that were traveling the world, doing evangelism, sharing the gospel with people. Pierce's band was really focused on coming alongside and serving the local church. So they would use anything, any opportunity they could, they would go and facilitate what God was doing. They would go help push that forward. And so their band, uh, for example, went to Panama. Their band, as a bunch of 20-year-olds, raised enough money to go to Panama and build a children's center and turn it over to a local church to, to, to keep running. And then um, meanwhile, my band was off doing more event-based outreach type stuff in different countries. And um, over those years, we just, we look back and Pierce and I were both staying in missionaries' homes a lot. We were yeah. staying in homes. We were listening to their stories late into the night and hearing the ways that, that the enemy was coming at them and trying to take them out of the missions field. And, and quite commonly, those were things that the local church or the church as a whole could have helped prevent. That attrition that was happening could have been prevented by simple things that would push those people forward to, to do what God's called them to do. And so we said, we can be that part of the church. We know how to do that. We know how to get on a plane, how to come visit people, how to be alongside them and push forward what they're doing. And we said, anything that that we do, if it's equipping found people or finding lost people, that then let's do it. Yes, I that, love that's, the, that. that's the answer. Yes, we're going to do that. that again. Because... <laughs> equipping found people and finding lost people. Come on. It's really that simple. Tamara, in Luke 19, Jesus says he came to seek and save the lost. We really just practically decided his mission has to become ours. And we're just going to do that. And so we don't care what it is we're doing, whether we were throwing guitars or building a children's home or or pouring latte art. Like if it's something we can do that <laughs> yes. that pushes people forward and shares the gospel, then we need to say yes to that. And so that's how a Jesus mission started. Fast forward this I don't know, nine years since we first launched that, I think. Um, 
now we have those 120 people. And that's not because of anything we've done, but it's simply because people need the church around them, pushing them forward. Hebrews says to not give up meeting together. That's essentially what we're doing. We're just being intentional to put people together to push forward what they're doing. And by doing that now, we've we've assembled all of our friends, essentially, <laughs> and a bunch of new friends we've made to continue living out the mission of Jesus. I don't know. Pierce might have some some fill in the gap stuff there, but yeah, that's kind of how we Pierce. got started. Yeah, no, I think it was that simple. That's like that we say in Jesus mission, like our motto is just equip the found, find the lost. And that's exactly what Andy was pointing out. And it's it really is that simple. And so when it's just the lens you look through, you know, and so yeah. it makes it so easy. You know, we don't have to debate whether or not like sending a missionary barista is a good idea or something. We need to like yeah. just the the we always say the method you know it it can vary but the mission is static like it it doesn't change till the return mm. of Christ so um I don't care what the method is if it's feeding people on the front lines of Ukraine that's what we're gonna do but if it's a barista that feels led to go pour latte art in Mexico well we'll send her too you know and it's all really important to the mission of Christ I think it's part of being a a wider body of believers so yeah. We're all about it. So powerful. And I think gives people such affirmation and I'll say validation, but not in a prideful way to hear that there are so many different ways, Mm -hmm. right? There's so many different ways that we Mm -hmm. can be the hands and feet of Jesus and people discredit and that their role isn't big enough or their role Mm -hmm. isn't uh, famous enough or it's not successful or it's just, it's muddied by, I think the church sometimes, which is really sad, right? They, they almost give clout to certain people. And I find this even when it comes to like things like tithing, right? Like the business leaders or the entrepreneurs get this recognition within the church, but really just because they want their money and they're treated better than the person who isn't capable of doing that. And it's really sad. So when you think about the front lines or you think about the barista or you think about someone who's packed things that are going over there from a food perspective, their role is just as critical as the person opening the door or the person flying oh, the yeah. plane. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think of First Corinthians, Paul says, it comes to mind right when you say this, Paul says even the weakest of these is indispensable to the kingdom of God. And like, man, when you really live that out, everybody has a significant role, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I just think it's beautiful and and needed at just yeah. that mission alone. I think even of like team development for these people who are listening from a founder innovator trailblazer perspective, mm-hmm. you know, the the person who's in the front maybe as the face of the company or whatever you want to call it, their role is not more important than the people who are doing all of the work behind the scenes. Absolutely. That I need my behind the scenes or I wouldn't be here in this moment. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So That's let's talk about the church the fact- being the church. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Right. Effectively. <laughs> Top to bottom. Effectively. I want to hear, cause it sounds like to me, I'm looking at everything through this entrepreneurial lens, but also this yeah. gathering of biblical lens. It reminds me of um, the disciples coming together and how they each would come together and then they would go out and then they would come together mm-hmm. and then they would go out. So is there like a mastermind element to you stewarding these missionaries? When you say it like that, that, that's kind of a stressful way to think about it. <laughs> okay, okay. Dun, dun, dun. Make it sound like a, uh, like a Despicable Me movie or something. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> hey, you're fighting, the, you're fighting the war off. You are. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think 
there's a, there is an extreme intentionality to what is happening. Um, whether it be at the, the, the person, like you said, packaging food in a, a small church in Ukraine, all the way back to the strategists working on whiteboards here in the States to figure out how do we raise enough support? How do we go uh, visit the people? How do we organize these things? There's maybe there is a bit more masterminding than we think, but if we, if it is, it's because we believe the Lord is called us to be the church effectively and not, we didn't get into this to fail. We didn't get into this to, to sit on the sidelines while stuff passed us by. We need to be intentional, whether we're leading a business or leading a ministry, we need to be hyper intentional to, to be strategic with what God's given us and the people that we have around us to, to pull off those things God's called us to do. So yeah, probably there is more strategy than we, than we normally talk about. Well, and this is where I geek out, though, because I think it's necessary for people to realize the intentionality behind that strategy, Mm -hmm. the intentionality behind the plan behind it, because otherwise people will get stuck in the like, I could never do anything that big. I could never never do something Mm -hmm. that grandiose. They're even thinking personally, like I could never travel and go to another country for a couple of months. And I want to take away the facade of what that looks like from a highlight reel perspective. And like, let's get down to like, how do you how do you fund this? How does a project like this get funded and how are sponsors and partners coming alongside you? Because I know there are people listening right now who have the ability from a financial lens to be able to support this, but they've never even considered sending missionaries as a part of their strategy of, of tithing or serving. That's good. Pierce. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure you've got thoughts there. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, like, there, there are plenty of missions organizations that exist and send missionaries out and they just take an admin fee out of that and they don't have any touch point with their missionaries. And so from a, from a standpoint of just talking like business, it can be done strictly from that aspect if you wanted to do it, mm-hmm. which is not what drives me or Andy. We would be, we'd have left years ago if that was what Jesus mission was about. Um, but it really is like believing this core, core truth that like at the center of man's relationship with God is like this redemption of relationship like that. That is front and center that God has like made a way for us to have right relationship with him. So at the very center of like God's heart is this return to like an Eden like state of the world. I mean, that was how it was created. And like, even at the, in revelation, you see like trees of life on each side of the river and this picture of Eden that exists. And so relationship is just the heartbeat, you know? So like we just gathered 70 of our missionaries in Aschaffenburg, Germany, and we do it yearly. And we just had like a, essentially a family barbecue, you know, for that. a week. Love and like, that. but that's the thing that makes, you know, you have the people on the front lines of Ukraine that are now interacting with the missionary baristas or the missionaries that are in rock bands, you know, and, and the people on the front lines of Ukraine are scoffing at like, you know, the people like, oh, psh, mm. they, they pour latte art. Sure. Yeah, that first world life, try real missions. You know, no one's doing that. Like that's <laughs> everybody's like genuinely ecstatic to see yeah. each other. And like, I think a lot of that is just from that hyper intentionality is being strategic on the back end of going like, how do we cultivate relationship, which for us, part of that's like a missionary gathering once a year. Part of that's really intentional, like just reaching out to people throughout the year and bridging relationships. So missionaries are caring for missionaries because that's a heck of a lot easier. Um, But then from like a practical standpoint, if you're sitting here wondering, okay, that's cool. But how do I be the person that actually like goes and how do I become the barista or become the person on the front lines of Ukraine? The reality is you just do it. 
And I know that that sounds like crazy, <laughs> yeah. but like we're talking about very small things. Like if, if we put into perspective, like God literally gave you life, you woke up this morning because God decided you should have breath. And he said, yeah, live another day. You know, like if you put into perspective, like God actually put the solar system in place, like you need a couple thousand dollars a month to live in Mexico. You think the Lord can't provide it? You know, it's really like so small. And so, you know, a lot of it is coaching like our missionaries to actually believe that God is creator and sustainer of all. It's actually teaching them just things that are in scripture. Most of our financial like fundraising training is literally just Bible studies because <laughs> yeah. you're not going to get confidence from like testimony of what worked for me because God might yeah. do something else. But yeah. we'll yeah. always gain confidence from the word of God. And, and he has said time and time again that if I, hey, if I clothe the lilies in the field, if I feed the sparrows, why not feed you? So if the Lord's leading you, I think you just go, you just do it. It doesn't mean if yeah. you have to drop school, it doesn't matter if, if you have to, if you have family members that maybe disagree, if the Lord's speaking to you and he's confirming that in ways, God's going to provide. So I think maybe it sounds a little just, crazy, but yeah. I love crazy. <laughs> to I'm tag onto that. I think <laughs> love crazy. one of our key strategies in getting people engaged in in kingdom work like this has just been saying yes like affirming the call of god on their life like not unwisely or just in just flippantly but but taking the time to go yeah we can see that we can see you have a heart for that and god's equipped you for that you should go then you'd be shocked tamra how many people are sitting on the sidelines of mission <laughs> just waiting for someone to give them the permission or the freedom or to affirm what they may already know but the enemy is telling them the opposite of is that you are capable of that so yeah you should go and i would have i would imagine half to 80% of the people that are a part of a jesus mission are there because someone came alongside them and just said yes that's mm -hmm. a good idea <laughs> or no, maybe that's good. a terrible idea, but you should do it anyways. That, that's, that's most of the kingdom workers I know. That's so good. Well, and then, and that's a huge element of it is because societally, especially if you're on like the track of like you go to high school and then you go yep. to college and then after college you get married and after you have to be married, like the day you're married, they're like, when are you having a baby? And then now you have yep. a family and now you have a career and all of these things happen where you get in the cyclone of, I'm going to say the American dream without avoiding, like, I, I love our country. I'm grateful for yeah. our freedoms, but simultaneously that we are so stagnant in our dreaming ability because yeah. what is being yeah. exampled as success or the normal life is is so different than the bible tells us to live yeah yeah i think that's the key what you just said because it's really ironic that we live in we all come from like the land of the freedom you know like you hit it yeah. but Without the land freedom. of the freedom freedom exactly. is it's the exactly. freedom that enslaves us literally and and so the thing is, Jesus really calls us into yeah. like a true freedom. There's like this false freedom that we have. That's what we it's just like a false front. It's not actually real. We think like, you know, get get married, have a certain amount of kids, have the white picket fence, own a home, own a 401k. That's great if the Lord tells you to do any of that. No one should just go own a home and invest in a 401k and do all this stuff just flippantly. Like student loans are a 30 year loan decision, uh. you know. Yeah, like a home is a 30 year commitment, you know, and I just think like God's calling us into like a true freedom where we actually like trust him with everything. 
And if you want to own a home, you're going to own a home. Trust me, you know? Right. right. <laughs> so, and what makes me so excited as you're talking about this, because my family is actually in this really cool leap of faith element right now mm. is we're going to take 30 days and go to Nicaragua in December. And so I want to want to, I definitely want to have a conversation with you all about like, we want to give back when we're there. We want to serve. Mm-hmm. We want to be mm-hmm. missionaries in the field while we're also nurturing and cultivating this special time with our family. Our yeah. kiddos are little. And we want them to have exposure to the things that I know God wants them to see at this age, rather than I know people who are in their 30s and 40s who have never left the country. And Mm. my husband being Mexican, he had the opportunity his whole life to go down to Mexico and like see the streets and see the tianguis and see how people are utilizing their hands every single day to make money and make just enough to have food for that day. Mm -hmm. And so that exposure element is such a huge part of the missionary element because when they come back to places like home, they come back to the land of the free, they're looking with a brand new lens of empathy and opportunity Mm. in a way that I was never nurtured in public school or in college. Yeah, that's so good. I think that increased perspective brings such high value to uh, not only just us individually, whether you're business people or, or church people or, or any any end of that spectrum, having that increased perspective changes the way you live. I don't know a single one of our drivers, meaning the drivers into Ukraine, who's coming back and going about their life the same way they did before. For because sure. that that understanding of what unity actually looks like when missiles are falling around you and, and in the film that we released, you, there's one of the lines where one of our drivers, Tyler, he says, you think any pastor gets together now and is discussing theology in Eastern Ukraine? No, they just no. get together. They go, you love Jesus. I love Jesus. There's hungry people. Let's go. Yes. Like that unity is an expression to the world that we actually believe what we say we believe. And so, but, but that oftentimes comes with that increased perspective. So whether you're a business person or a, 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 like you taking your family to Nicaragua for the month, doing that with intentionality that you're coming back with a, with an increased perspective that your kids are going to see the world differently. And if you're especially a person going and preaching the gospel to your kids the entirety of the time you're there and going, how does the gospel change the way we look at these guys? If the church was more intentional with their vacations <laughs> like that, uh, or, or intentional with their missions trips or intentional with going down the street, I live in, right outside Portland, mm. Oregon, where there is, uh, we've been really leaning into this thought that there's a crisis five minutes from our home anywhere you live. We yeah. don't have to go to Ukraine to find that crisis. I live in Portland area where I, you cannot walk down the street without having to step over homeless people, period. Almost any street you go to, you think I can't see the same exact gospel needs here in my city as I can see on the other side of the world, but that increased perspective changes the way we live. Yeah, I think there's a lot of beauty to that. And it's a constant space of conviction that I think we as the church Mm. need to stay humbled by. And because there's streets over, it's the same. I was just in New Orleans on a women's retreat this past week. And we were there for writing our testimonies. And I was teaching them Mm. how to write a book and share their story and be vulnerable and all of these things. And I'm like, you guys have been writing for 48 hours. I don't want you to come to another city and not be able to go out and like enjoy the city. So we go into New Orleans, which 
personally has a very like dark vibe about it. There's just spirits of, of mm -hmm. poverty. There's spirits of depression and anxiety and suicide. And there's noodle needles on the ground and homeless people, like you're saying, and there's voodoo dolls. And I mean, it's yeah. creepy. I, I, I've, I've done it. I'm a yeah. one and done kind of person unless Katrina or something like that transpires. Yeah. I'll stay out of that field. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> I was delivering mm. to homeless people like lasagna and garlic bread as we were down in the streets because we yeah. could have easily gone down and shopped and got beignets and been bougie like we all could have easily been. But yeah. the first time that I went down there, which was just days before, my heart just broke because I'm like, these people are stuck. They literally feel like they're entrapped by the darkness that is this city and there's opportunity and there's light. And so just to hear if people are listening right now that like yeah. missionaries are in your city, be a mission yeah. missionary in the mission field that God has planted you and don't let the limiting belief that you have to go to another country be what inhibits you from activating today as yeah. the hands yeah. and feet of the Lord. Come on. Yeah, I think it's intrinsic to the gospel that we respond in that way and let people understand mm -hmm. truly that like transformed life equals transformed life. Like it doesn't mean, you know, like we were once on mission for ourselves and now we're on mission for Christ. Mm. Missionaries can, can sometimes get elevated to this thing where it puts people in a different league and that, that completely misses it, misses it. And it's a lie of the enemy that like, Oh, well now these people go do the work. No, they might like, some of them might go live abroad. But some of them might be in your city and really any person with a transformed life should be a missionary to some capacity, whether you're doing a podcast like this to reach people and speak to a wider audience or you're taking lasagna to people in the streets. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. But how is your yeah. life being transformed? You know? Yeah, it's so good. So We've, you mentioned briefly, Andy, the film that you guys put yeah. together for Ukraine. And I, I also mentioned the 400,000 pounds of food <laughs> that have been delivered. Talk to us about like what you guys are seeing, because I know there's a lot of curiosity. I personally do not turn on the news. And so even as I was preparing for this podcast, my team was like, don't say anything stupid, Tamara, because <laughs> they know I am not <laughs> political at all. I know what's yes. happening. My daughter, who is seven, has ran a a children's Ukrainian um, oh. uh, fundraiser for uh, through cool. singing. And so yeah. they're, we're definitely doing the work, but I don't, I don't put myself in the space of, of, mm, I won't say vulnerability cause that's not it, but I want to see the light and the truth rather than mm -hmm. the heartache, the heartbreak and the heaviness of it. Yeah. That's really good. Mm -hmm. I think, as we, so Pierce and I just finished up eight weeks on the road where we were in a different city every single day around America. We went to Europe once in the middle of that and to Canada. Um, and we were going to churches primarily or to people's homes. And we were showing this film and we were talking about what is happening in Ukraine. Um, not just how we got started, but what's currently going on. And, and so many of the rooms we'd go to, people would literally, their first question would be, so it's still going on? <laughs> like, like the war in Ukraine is still happening or is this, is, are you just doing, are you helping now that it's <laughs> right, over? Right. Like, so you're, you're, that's, that's a super common question that we were encountering. Uh, and because of our perspective, because we're looking at it in the eye every single day, um, of course that brings us a different side of that. And I don't think that's anyone's fault. I think our job as people who have perspective on that and have an awareness and the Lord's convicted us to be a part of it. Part of our job in being the church is going around and sharing that and being a part of bringing that understanding to people. And so that's essentially what the film is. Uh, at the end of the day, the film is not about how a Jesus mission 
ran in and did something cool. We got mm-hmm. to do something cool. We were honored to get to be a part of what God's doing. Uh, and there's a line in that film where uh, one of our interviewees, the pastor we work with in Ukraine, he, he says, uh, we've been praying for revival, so get with it. <laughs> that's that's just okay. the simplicity of his line. And so okay. I think that's the thing that we want to highlight is as we're traveling around is God is stirring his people to action. Uh, and the war in Ukraine, uh, you talked about like not knowing the politics. We're pretty absent, absent from the politics as well, because at the end of the day, we're, we're not in this because of political divisions or country lines that were drawn. Uh, if if Russia was the ones being invaded, we'd probably be right. sending people to support there uh, right. because our heart is for the people who have no hope of eternity, who are sitting there in suffering and we have the capacity to come alongside them. And so um, yeah. that it, it's very apolitical for us. We honestly, we know very little about the politics other than as we're watching and paying attention to the intelligence. So we know where to safely send teams right. or when to s- pull teams back from certain areas. So Grow your business for God's sake. No, really, I mean it. Grow your business for God's sake. That's right. Business is ministry and ministry is business. And it's time we take action in this belief and show up in our anointing with fresh fire. This is a cultivation conference. This is an activation conference. I want to see you reap the harvest, the promise that was predestined for you in your purpose and your calling. But you've got to go back to the root in order to do that. Come and let us water you so you can come fully alive and fully free every single day to make the impact you were born to make so others can also reap the legacy of your harvest forevermore. Let's do this. In Nashville, Tennessee, November 3rd through the 5th, you do not want to miss it. Get your tickets today at growforgod.com. That's right, and that's easy, growforgod.com. Can't wait to see you there. Hug your neck and grow together. Um, yeah, Pierce, maybe you could give her a little bit of an insight on what's going on over there right now. You're probably a little more um, communicative mm-hmm. with that team. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we just have – we're mostly at this point, we did had our hands a little bit everywhere. At one point we were doing like, we kind of called it an eternal VBS in Romania for mm-hmm. Ukrainian refugee oh, kids. Awesome. Um, and it was, it was such a great season, you know, it was like um, six months of VBS. Oh yeah. God, you know, it. and we had teams helping lead with that. At one point we had 50 people out there actively like on the ground, just constantly wow. doing yeah. something in Romania or on the front lines in Ukraine. Wow. But I think we just, over time it, we've realized, you know, there's, we want to be where the area of most need is. And mm-hmm. and that's just going to be within 10 miles of Russian occupation. That's, that's the reality. And so no, no one's going to want to go there, you know, like, and so people ask us all the time, well, why, why don't you let someone else do that? Well, we're the somebody else. That's the thing, you know, like we're the people willing to do it. So why, why not just so go good. do it? And so, yeah. um, th- yeah, today that's where that food's gone. That 400,000 pounds plus of food, you know, which is more than that. Even now it's, it, it's, right there it's it's villages that have no water no electricity i mean you show up and you're talking to a pastor or people who haven't eaten in a couple days and you know Mm -hmm. it that stuff will just change you you it's Mm -hmm. easy to like live a life even like as a missionary without perspective of that to like live a life kind of like with an absence of just understanding of what people are actually going through but when you show up and you see like grown men that have been pastors in this area for 
you know, 30 years and they're just in tears praying, thinking they're going to starve to death and that their kids are going to die there. You know, that Russia is going to invade their town and they won't, they're just praying, begging the Lord for mercy. And you show up with a van of food and they tell you this was the miracle they've been praying for. Like that'll change you. You'll devote the rest of your life. And that those are very real scenarios that if you're watching this, like I challenge you to be aware, you know, to just be aware, just know that those are the people we say are our brothers and sisters. They're starving there. And so to us, it's like, this can't be a three month response. It it can't be a three week response. Like a lot of organizations Mm -hmm. show up at the border and they move on. You know, the reality is like, this is going to have a decade of consequence, you know, like if not more where we we have to be prepared for the long run. And so we've kind of boiled what we do now down to just the frontlines ministry. Our team actually lives in Ukraine now. um, And we still bring select people out from the States that are really fit for the task at hand. And we have seven vans that continue to just bring food. We're partnering now with Samaritan's purse. They're helping source food, which is a huge relief because we raise, you know, a half a million dollars or more for just most of it was going to food, 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 but yeah. having that solved now solves 90% of our cost problem. Amazing. Um, so huge thank you to Samaritan's Purse. Yeah. Um, and so that that's our heart though. At the end of the day, it's like feed people. People deserve to yeah. eat. Jesus yeah. tells us to do it. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. And thinking through like the multiplication of that, right? Like Samaritan House came in as the like multiplier to what you guys are starting, but mm-hmm. there's an element of need to the original initial five fish and two loaves, right? Yeah. Because oh, yeah. otherwise there can be no multiplication. And I talk to people about this, not in this context. And so I'm glad that it's kind of brought to mm-hmm. life in this moment, but I tell people, you're the only one who has this dream. And if you don't (laughs) activate it, it can never be multiplied. And it drives me nutty when people sit on that because it's blocking blessings for people who are starving. It's blocking blessings. I I have a lot of people who, you know, have our childhood trauma coaches or people who are sexual trauma survivors or people who are doing gut health repair or um, identity work or freedom work. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is that you have laid on your heart. Ultimately, it is changing the life and the eternity of somebody's soul, which could be, and this is the part that I always tell people because people think they have to affect millions, right? Because influencers are such a thing now that if you're not touching the masses and you only have a hundred followers, you're less than you're not, you're not doing the Lord's work. Well, that is complete bogus. What if that was Mm -hmm. the story for Abraham? What if that was the story for Sarah? She was too old. So she didn't get the baby. Like all of these elements in the Bible, God is literally telling you there's no such thing as too late. There's no such thing as too early. There's no such thing as I don't have enough money. There's no such thing as I don't have enough time. Is like for such a time as this, talk to Esther. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's so good. Tamara, you can look all the way back. So we we now have, now that we're six months into this and we're, we're, we've built relationship and trust and we're staying there to serve in Ukraine, we have stories coming to light of now thousands of people coming to know Jesus mm. because of food that our drivers got to come and bring to local pastors who speak the language, who know the villages that we should go to. You think any of our, I mean, some of our drivers do speak Ukrainian, but 99% of our drivers 
don't speak a word of the local language, but they are willing and they've counted the cost. And they said, I'll put on body armor and drive right towards the where the missiles are falling so that I can give a box of food to a local pastor who's going to give that to someone who's going to preach the hope of the gospel to them. And then you go back even further. You've got our admin team, people sitting around behind desks back here in the States or that nobody knows their name, but they're doing the spreadsheets that keep this thing moving. And then you go back all the way. There was in the very first weeks of when the war started and we were running around, um, they kind of, we kind of make the joke that like I'm, I work the front desk because I'm actually not going into Ukraine. I'm staying back here running <laughs> around and looking for the support and, and yeah. communicating what's going on. And so there was a day in Santa Rosa, California, where I was, I was sharing about this in the very start at a, at a local church. Um, it's kind of like Napa Valley wine country area. And there was a lady who came up to me after church and she handed me a $1 bill and she was like, I, I'm so, so, so sorry this isn't more, but this is all I have right now. And she handed me that dollar. And to to watch the chain from a $1 bill that cost a lady everything she had that week, all the way to our drivers putting on body armor to go to the front lines, that there is no insignificance to any part of that. Because if our drivers put on body armor and run to the local pastors in seven vans, but there's not somebody giving a dollar or a $20,000 check, then mm-hmm. our drivers are sitting in vans wondering how to get to the front lines because there's no gas. Cause we go through $2,000 a week in diesel alone. And, and it's, it's, all of those pieces coming together that's allowing the work to happen. It's not, and that, and because of that chain of events of the church sacrificially giving or counting the cost, if that cost is a dollar or if that cost is, this might be my life, they've counted the cost all the way down the line. And because of that, we're seeing response to the gospel that that's, that's the picture of this. And you kind of coming back to that thought earlier, what you're saying in, you know, giving, like someone has this unique dream or this calling to something specific or this dream or vision or whatever you want to call it that what you were saying about kind of awakening that and going, you're the only one with that. So start. (laughs) Yes. go. That's, that's what we get to be as the church when we're calling people to action, whether that's, you're the only one with a $20,000 giving capacity. Yes, go. (laughs) Or you're the only one with that dollar in your wallet, or you're the only one who can, who can drive a stick shift at a hundred miles an hour in a a war zone. Go. (laughs) uh, We have to be enabling people to go be a part, whatever piece of the chain they're in. Yeah. I remember that reminds me of a conversation I had to Andy, where one of my friends had been saving and he, he gave $400 to like the Ukraine response. I remember him Mm. calling me feeling the same, like, man, I've been saving for a few months and this is what I have. It's just $400. I feel like it's so insignificant. I just said literally just saved four to 600 people's lives. So, I mean, like literally like we've done the math on this, you know, with what it takes yeah. to bring people food and to feed them and to hold them over for a few more days. And like that dollar, what you're mentioning, Andy, like it saved someone's life. It bought them a few more days. Yeah. We're able to bring a central flour, rice, beans, whatever to people yeah. because of that. And so literally don't discredit that. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. Like if you have a dollar in your bank account, like you have the potential to save someone's life on the other side of the world right now. Yeah. So, yeah. And I just go back to like, not just even the multiplication of this moment and what is transpiring in those people's salvations, but the generations thereafter, because those yeah. people yeah. are going to be moved into action that I couldn't go up and shake a stranger right now yeah. into, mm-hmm. right? Because they're yeah. being shook by 
the world. They're being shook yeah. by the darkness. They're literally facing right face to face with the devil. And yep. there is when Jesus shows up and the light overcomes that moment for them as this is doing they'll be forever changed yeah. and forever motivated yeah, and likely yeah. not get a lot of sleep in the process because they are <laughs> on mission, right? Yeah. I think it'd be super hard after seeing things like that. I have such an empathetic lens and I carry that even with clients that I see weeping um, who are in the comfort of their own home and you know have all of these amenities. I have a hard time resting knowing mm. that they may not activate tomorrow. Where yeah. for you all, you guys are, I mean, you're creating activators. You are literally mm -hmm. birthing them into life based on what God has done in your life. And so yeah. I want to a little bit pivot because I think yeah. it's important to know, like, where did this seed get planted all individually to say yes? Mm. Who is your motivator? Who is your activator? What childhood memory or trauma perhaps led you to say yes to something outside of the norm? Mm. That's really good. Pierce, you got a starting is, point for that or? Uh, yeah. And it's not going to be what anyone probably thinks. So <laughs> I, I didn't really have a sending church when I went. Um, I didn't have a church that was like, yes, go, or that I was even really a part of. Um, it, it, I, my missionary process, my starting point was out of ultimately like literally just feeling like the Lord was leading me and going and telling close friends and family. And that was that. Um, but it was always like the belief from a from a little kid, like seeing the impact of Martin Luther King Jr. actually, and seeing the belief of like one person could lead that type of movement, like the, this these insane marches, you know, and seeing people stand for that, that always like illuminated and brought to life what I was even like reading in scripture. Because essentially that's the movement that started like that very similar movement where Peter's at Pentecost and all of a sudden there's thousands of people, you know, or Jesus, like you mentioned, feeding the 5,000, all of a sudden people are just showing up and you're like, what in the world? You know, but in like a modern history sense, seeing people like activated through someone like Martin Luther King Jr. was just like a very like something can happen if you just step out like and, and being content with what it is, right? Because it, it could be 10 people. And that like 12 people was enough for Jesus. He never needed to have 5,000 people. Come he on. had 12 people. That was really his church. Jesus' church was smaller than pretty much any other church in America. <laughs> so That's good. the reality. And so like the problem that I think like is that we're kind of a discontent culture because it is so based on like social media numbers or like how many people are listening to this podcast, you know, and, and we have certain like statistics that we've been told were failures if if we don't hit certain measures and you're never going to measure up to whatever media or whatever social influencer tells you you know is a good number like the reality is like a really good gauge for your life is to look be inspired by the martin luther king juniors be inspired by pentecost by jesus with five thousand people but shoot for like who do you know in your life is it three yeah. people is it 12 and like take mm -hmm. confidence in the fact that jesus literally had 12 people. So if I live the rest of my life and, and I have a serious impact on 12 people, one of who was going to betray him anyways, you know, like, <laughs> exactly. then it's like, how good was that? I think yeah. he would have got an F on his report card for that, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. but that's the type of like way we should live our lives. And so it was just for me, a belief really, you know, a decade ago going like, so what, if I go broke doing this, if it like, what what's my worst case scenario? And it's yeah. really important to understand, like in America, our worst case scenario is half the world's best case scenario. So I true. really believe that. 
And so it's like your worst case scenario, if you step out and you go into the missions field, you come back, you get a yeah. job, yep. go, go get Medi-Cal, you know, go get, okay. like it's not the, we're okay. really actually taken care of pretty well here. And so um, I, I just, I want to really, really encourage anyone out there listening. Like if you're going, okay, that's cool. But like, what kind of connections did you have to start this thing? I had none. Yeah. I, I had nothing, you know, like, yeah. so but the awesome. Lord provided miracle after miracle after miracle and, and mm-hmm. I'm nothing special. And so mm-hmm. just, just go for it. That's so good, Pierce. Very similarly, I grew up, I grew up in a pretty poor family. I didn't realize it looking back now <laughs> until I look back now and I go, oh, we had to go pick the carrots from the garden in order to eat dinner. Like my family was very resourceful and, and shielded us from that understanding of how little we had, but it wasn't that that motivated us. As we kept going, I just kept doing the thing I knew how to do. And in the beginning, it was just play guitar, right? Like I just knew how to play guitar. And I only knew how to play guitar because my mom one day said, uh, hey, there's nobody leading worship at youth group next week. You are. And I was like, but I don't play guitar. And she hands me this crappy old guitar that was like my grandpa's nylon string classical guitar or something. And she goes, you will next week. And like, that's awesome. Your mom rocks. <laughs> yeah, you will next week. Well, I took that thing I knew how to do and I just kept working on it and developing it. And I just knew how to sing and play guitar. And I, my little brothers started playing with me and we started going and doing these events. Well, the, that kind of turning point that maybe said, no, this is what I need to be doing happened in 2010. I remember specifically, we were invited to go do not even anything fancy. We were going to the Canada winter Olympics and our band was going to just play on the streets, just busking, just setting up and playing. uh, And that's not a very like, epic concert you know like yeah what'd you do in canada we played on the streets uh well <laughs> it actually was pretty epic because as we'd start setting up the the stuff because of just you know the olympics are going on there's millions of people in town we'd start setting up and sometimes by the time we'd have the 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 mics set up on the streets there'd be a thousand people waiting to see what we were going to do like just wow. watching waiting to see what we were going to play and we'd play and we'd preach the gospel we'd play we'd preach the gospel well there was this one moment where this guy comes up to me after we played on the street and he goes, uh, I won't use the French accent, but he goes, hey, I'm I'm in charge of hospitality for the French Olympic team. What are you doing after the Olympics are over? And we said, well, we're going to pack up our gear and drive back to America. And he goes, well, would you come to our party and play for uh, the Olympians? And we're like, wow. okay, sure. You know, <laughs> thinking he was just like some weirdo, right? Well, he calls me later. He's like, come to this address. I'd 2 p.m. on Sunday or whatever, we arrive and it's at the Olympic Village uh, in Canada where all the Olympians wow. stay. And we we pull in and <laughs> Gwendol Piezerat is his name. Gwendol, I was like, what do you do? He goes, I world champion ice dancer. And, uh, you, you know, you like we Googled him and he's won every ice dancing competition in Olympics for like 30 years oh, running. Uh, well, we get to this event and we we go into the mansion that the French team had rented and we eat food with the Olympians and we're just sitting there kind of going, we're like, I don't know, young 20 somethings just wearing our holy jeans and deep V <laughs> like t-shirts. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like every person we'd sit with or would talk to us is like, I am world champion snowboarder, you know, like, so like watching this play out going, okay, this is weird. Well, 
they wanted us to play and we played this concert and Gwendol, the ice dancer, translated for us and we got to preach the gospel to the entire room. It was every French Olympian, every dignitary, the president of the or the chief of the French secret service, like all of these people were in this room and we preached the gospel and they intently and earnestly listened. Not one person looked at us and went, oh, those stupid American Christians, whatever. They were earnestly listening to every word of the gospel as we as we shared. Well, we got to, we, I, 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 like, we, we did that event. We packed up at the end of the night and we just hung out with the French Olympians and they just wanted to have a dance party until like five in the morning. So we couldn't even get our gear out till that all happened. Well, I think what was happening in that day was our perspective on the world was increasing, kind of like coming back again to an earlier part. What happened that night was we saw the necessity of even those Olympians hearing the gospel. They were at the top of their game, literally the very top of their game. And yet they earnestly leaned in and listened when we preached the hope of eternity to them. Well, that was kind of a turning point in which later on we got invited to go to Europe and we started going as frequently as we could. And then we got invited to Japan and South Africa and Mexico. And we started going to all these places. I think I can pin it back to that night, watch preaching the gospel, to French Olympians, where God really showed us like there's a necessity for you in your lane <laughs> to go yeah. do what you're doing. Just be doing what you know how to do, uh, mm-hmm. but with that intentionality. And I think that might be that turning point was the 2010 Winter Olympics. <laughs> a a oh friend once gosh. told me, um, he, he was just like, you know, the Lord says like man plans his path, but the Lord directs his steps. And I was like wondering how to get to like the next place. And he, he asked mm. me, just said, so Pierce, how do you take steps? And I was like, uh, and he says, one at a time, <laughs> you know, and I just like to encourage anybody listening right now, like it is that simple because you go, okay, but the, the Olympics, is that going to happen? The front lines of Ukraine, you know, doesn't matter if your mom's teaching yeah. you to play guitar, sing a song. Take this that week. Step. That's yep. that's your step, you know, exactly. and like literally just do it. Just take the next step. You don't even need to sometimes think about it's great to vision cast, but don't get overwhelmed by your vision, you know, because that can happen quickly. But just take the next mm-hmm. step. Wow. You guys are ministering to me in this moment. (laughs) So thank you. I got emotional listening to that because, you know, I think especially for me, my, my lane is ministers in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. And so similar to that story, Andy, I'm thinking about the fact that some of these people are at the top of their game and I was at the top of my game or so I thought when God took the rug out from underneath me and showed up in Mm -hmm. my living room. And because we are in this space of success and accolades and titles and yep. all of this stuff of, of, of enoughness or lack thereof, um, I sometimes will see people like missionaries. And when I go to Mexico often and I see the least of these, if you will, it's, I think that that's also us. That's also those Olympians. Yeah. That's, there's yeah. no ranking system in yeah. heaven. Come and on. so the people that need us are the people that we're called to. And yeah. it mm-hmm. doesn't make you any more, uh, more precious to the Lord if you're ministering to pastors or if you're ministering yep. to multimillionaires or if you're ministering to someone who can't scrape food off the floor enough to, to not be able to starve themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Is we're all called to humanity. And that is the power of the gospel. And so that is the yes that you are giving to the lane that you are meant to lead. It's necessary. 
and yeah. don't discredit the dream or the vision that God has given you associated to where you're intended to go based on comparison of where somebody else is meant to go. Because ultimately, mm, yeah. every path collides. It doesn't well, matter so. where you are. Every yeah. path collides. And I hope that that path collision of collision is in heaven. Yeah, and that's amen. the goal, right? Because they can only go two places, heaven or hell. And it's up <laughs> yeah. to us to help them walk that path and get through the narrow door. And that's so awesome. just so powerful, so powerful. And thank you guys for sharing that starting point and the encouragement of the process thereafter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it's Absolutely. cool to watch how those lanes intersect because like you said, they're going to intersect somewhere. Like I wouldn't have thought as a 14 year old learning guitar that, that would lead me to encountering Pierce, you know, it was only because our bands met on the road. And then that would lead us to be sitting on my couch the night the war started and going, what are we going to do? And mm. all of a sudden, this is what we're doing. It, it is just that continual intersection and God's sovereignty at work. I don't know, Tamara, if, if I've ever seen God's sovereignty as much on display as we have with this situation, because you look back now and you go, whoa, you actually were in full control when I thought my life was spiraling out of control and you were bringing us over to this random city because everything was falling apart. It was actually to meet that one person that 20 years later was going to be a partner in ministry on the other side of the world. Like mm, that's so that paths intersecting thought. I think we've never seen it like we have now. And I really earnestly think we're just getting a, a starting glimpse of how God does that. Oh, it's so powerful. And I think the biggest element that I see in that is the less of self and the more of him, right? Yep. And like really allowing him to take the reins because I'm, I'll admit to a recovering control freak, right? Like I, I like to have a plan. I like to yeah. know A to Z. I want to know, I want to know. And so when I've shifted that knowing and that control and I've come back to surrender in the feet of Jesus, yep. I realize so much more powerfully in every given second of my day, how control he actually is. And I don't have to feel out of control because he's figured out every detail that I never even considered. That's so good. But there's one thought from uh, Oleg, who's the pastor that we work alongside in, in Mykolaiv, Ukraine. He, he, one of our drivers asked him, uh, in the, your thought about control made me think of this. One of our drivers asked him, hey, are you afraid living in Mykolaiv where there's only been, to our knowledge, 14 nights since the war started where missiles didn't fall on their city? That's what we've been told. So mm. they're literally living in the, in the movie. He says, we're living under the shadow of death and yet we live in God's presence. Mm. Well, our driver asked him, are you afraid? And he goes, why would I be afraid? Uh, this is the safest city in the world because I'm right where God wants me to be. Uh, like, that idea of having any control at all, if God's called you to be somewhere, then just be there and just rejoice in the fact that he's got you there doing that thing. And if that's a small startup somewhere in a, in a garage where you're screen printing shirts, <laughs> hoping to build a business or you're learning guitar like me at 15 years old, or you're, uh, you know, just trying to figure out the state website so you can launch a business, like all of those degrees of starting point, like that's the safest place you can be. If you're living out what God's called you to do, no matter what step you are in the process, that's the safest spot you can be. 
so good. That's so good. Gentlemen, you guys are just treasures to the world, to the earth, to the kingdom. I want to make sure that anybody who is listening yeah. has a way of connecting with you, supporting you, uh, getting whether invested with their time and energy or dreams. Uh, how can we help? That's awesome. Pierce, you want to? Yeah. The I mean, if you're feeling called to missions, like you feel free to go right on to jesusmission.org apply like would love to help you in that journey um if you're looking for ways to give go on to jesusmission.org and give (laughs) you know like really it's that simple um we we really exist to equip the found and find the lost like we said at the beginning so if you feel like you're in a season where i could use equipped please get in touch like yeah our time is yours so thanks for taking the time tamara Absolutely. Such a treasure. Thank you so much. And I'm so excited to see what God continues to do through your missions, through your ministry, and just through your lives individually. Thanks for saying yes to him and stewarding every single step, little by little, even on the times that you is good and sovereign and uses it all for good in the long run. So you guys are incredible. I appreciate it and so grateful to get to know you. Yeah. Thanks, Tamara. Thanks for having us on today. Yeah. Yeah. Blessings, y'all. Take care. Hey y'all, it's me again. Before you go, let's solidify the flame that was ignited within you today by sharing the spark with your own community. Whether it's mentally, physically, emotionally, relationally, or spiritually, I would love for you to take the step right now by declaring your takeaway. Snap a pic of the episode and share it on your stories or posts, and you can tag me and the guest, and we will surely feature you on our Instas. Hey, you may even unlock a new accountability buddy in me or them. We're totally in this together and we appreciate the extra step taken. I would be so grateful if you even took the extra step. Come on, give me that extra sauce and leave a review on iTunes for the podcast listening app that is of your choice. I'm going to be featuring your thoughts and facts and it's going to be so fun in upcoming episodes. So you'll not only hear your name on the show, but maybe even your passion project or whatever big shout out you want me to make. So please, as a fellow writer, leave some words that I can attest to and I can't wait to read what you have to say. Thanks again for being a loyal listener and I hope to meet you in person soon at one of the events that we are speaking at or hosting. And I say we because the Fit and Fake team could not do this without you. Until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. This is the Fit and Faith Way. Do you want to better understand the Bible and give biblical answers to those who ask you about your faith? Hi, this is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Podcast Show. Listen to us weekly as we bring the truth often found in the ivory towers of seminary down to the steeple towers of the local church. Join me along with many of the nation's top theologians as we offer answers to life tough questions from an apologetic perspective. Subscribe to the show at lifeaudio.com.